This podcast is brought to you by the Voinovich School of Leadership and Public Affairs at Ohio University. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Just About Work, where we talk about everything that might have an impact on your career. Today, our return guest is Mark Anthony Dyson. He's a career writer and speaker, and he knows a lot about the job search process. In fact, his very robust website is called The Voice of Job Seekers. I'll ask Mark about some of the trends that are worth watching if you're thinking about building your career or if you're already in a job search. We'll talk about hot topics like what's the latest in LinkedIn? What's with upskilling? And how can you volunteer your way into more rewarding work? Hey, Mark, it is great to talk to you again. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. It's an honor always. Well, we had a we had a good and interesting time when you were here last time, which was in August mm-hmm. of 2020. And uh, wow, feels like um, in some, there were days when it felt like nothing would ever change again. And there are other days that felt like the whole world was turning around. And certainly in the, the job market and the uh, career arena, things have changed a lot. So I am eager to get your insights on the latest trends for job seekers and career builders. But but first, just because I'm kind of fascinated uh, by how prolific you are and how you're popping up everywhere, will you just give us um, some background about what it is you do and what you've been doing lately? Well, I say in my profile and everywhere that I hack and reimagine the job search. And I try not particularly to think ahead, but I'm always asking the what ifs. But I also look at, uh, you know, what's now uh, and what's now and what's important. I think it's important for people to have the, a modern day strategy to all the other strategies that we have. I mean, I'm not saying that there's any hocus pocus, but I do think there are some staples to our job search methods these days that uh, maybe the method itself, like networking hasn't changed, but the way we go about networking and we deliver a promise to someone or deliver promises to people has changed. So if we're being a resource, if we're being the person to go to for to be hired, we have to have a way for people to find us. It's not Put it this way, it's not modern if people aren't able to find you when they need you. Well, um, you are that- you are very modern then because <laughs> your name pops up all over the place. Yeah, well, we try. So I, I, I know you're um, on LinkedIn and you're in a bunch of other places, but one of the things I noticed that you did or maybe you redid is um, – you released another or a revised version of your free ebook? Yes, uh, it's added 100. Actually, it's more than 421 modern job search tips. I just add uh, a bunch, but there's always been more than what I advertise. I just give a conservative 
count uh, not to freak people out. I don't know if I'm going to go 500. 500 might be a little daunting, uh, but it's not too bad to download. So I'm still deciding and uh, getting some input. So I'd like so, to see what what it is. So what it is is a, a long set of lists of tips related to all kinds of aspects of job search. And what I thought one way to use it for people might be to go to a setting like, you know, how to be more professional, or uh, you have a Mm -hmm. bunch of different categories and break them down as you're kind of planning for a search and maybe like do a category a day and just see if that list of tips triggers anything for you. Yeah, I wrote uh, an article about how to take job advice. And there's a lot of it out there. And I say, you know, take a little bit, try two or three or four things, find something that works or don't find anything that doesn't work, but move on to the next one. But it's impossible at this particular point with the information being at our tips that we can't find what we need. It's just a matter of working through it. It takes some resilience. It takes some perseverance, but it could be done. And people have been doing it. So your uh, website, The Voice of Job Seekers, I think that's where I downloaded your book. And Mm -hmm. you've got a wealth of information. So that's one place people could get started. And another one is your LinkedIn profile. You're, You're pretty active there. Mm-hmm. Yes, I am. I, I I keep updating it. People are saying blogging is dead, and I'm saying no, it isn't because people keep finding my information. I just talked to someone um, that just uh, told me about an article that I wrote eight years ago. I'm going, how yeah. is that possible? But I think all that to be said, I imagined at that particular time that if my writing is good and people find value in it years down the line, which happens a whole lot more often, then I've done what I've came to do. So recently, um, talking about trends, I've, I've noticed you're doing more video and that's something mm-hmm. that is happening right on LinkedIn. Can, can you tell us about... Um, some of the trends, really, even since last summer, uh, and, and the ways that LinkedIn is being used, and uh, some of the ways you're making your uh, profile uh, even more visible than before on LinkedIn. Uh, LinkedIn is quite a, a source of information, and I think one underutilized tool. Uh, people can get a lot out of is LinkedIn news. LinkedIn news has become a real news slash resource service. You can get the latest and greatest in job search techniques, strategies, advice from LinkedIn news. It could be workplace culture. It could be economics. All those things resonate professionally. Everybody wants to be better in all three of those categories. So I think it's a very powerful resource that people can reach at. So do you just, just search uh, the you just search the topics like you w- would search for a group, or how do you find LinkedIn News? I I every now and then I just put in LinkedIn News. It takes me to the page, and I 
go through the articles. Of course, you could put it in by subject or you could put it in by people. It depends how you search. So you go, you put it in the search box, it takes you to the page and it has these categories. You can search for a company that might have been in LinkedIn News, search for a person. You can even search for jobs or for topics if you put in the right combination of, of, uh, of words, just like you would Google. I haven't tried the one I was just thinking about in Google. You can use quotes around a term and it'll just search that specific term. I haven't tried that in the LinkedIn search box yet. I should just to see what that looks like, but I'd be interested. I think there's a lot of ways uh, that people can find. Basically people are finding resources through other people who share them. So people can actually set up their own news feed the way they want and following certain people if they know that that person posts every day. So their news feed can actually live out or, or breathe like, you know, having all this career advice and information and and strategies or whatever they want. Uh, depends on your industry, what's going to be important for you, and what you'll need to access when you go to LinkedIn. Because most people won't spend the time like I do on LinkedIn. Mostly, if, if somebody spends uh, two half-hour sessions every week, that's not too bad for an average user. And there are people who are in there a, a lot. But I think people get over-indexed when they are on there only when they need a, a, you know, need a job. And then very often they're looking for the wrong things. Well, I, I am not nearly as um, adept or frequent as you with LinkedIn, but I use it um, as a great information source. Of course, anytime I've got a guest on this podcast or I'm sort of intrigued by the um uh, somebody who's doing interesting things and I want to figure out how are they doing that? I go, <laughs> I start looking at their profile. I haven't mm -hmm. been looking in LinkedIn news, but that's another way to do a little research to, to learn about people we might be interacting with or, or that we might learn from. Well, there's another way to, you could do, do it and you can use LinkedIn in incognito mode or private mode on your browsers. Each browser has a private, incognito mode. In other words, you're not signed in when you look up people. So you could search LinkedIn. Uh, there's a little trick I use, and I don't know if I told it on any podcast, I think maybe one, where you can go to someone's profile. And if you're intrigued by them, you can, if you're using a mouse, which most people do, you can right click on that person and it, the menu will give you either incognito, see this, see in incognito mode or private mode. You're bringing up a separate window. So that way you can go without looking like you're a stalker or that, that maybe that you are. <laughs> <laughs> and, and in fact, you are, but you're just doing it privately. That's yeah. all. But I think ultimately people will feel less intimidated because they don't, some people feel hesitant because that person may think that I'm weird or something. And, you know, you got, all of us need to get past the judging part of this game we call life and uh, being on the internet. But we need the information we need, and we want it, though, sometimes in, in a very quiet fashion. So that's one way that people can get a little bit more out of it. So one thing that I decided early on, uh, thinking about, do I want to um, kind of 
be um, secretive when I'm following somebody or how do I feel about it? And I, I just decided that I wanted to recognize the fact that anything you can do in social media or online of any sort, there's no um, invisibility that you can really trust. You're much better off just by uh, only doing things that you wouldn't be embarrassed to have somebody see. So when I, whenever I'm kind of looking and things, I, I've just decided I'm, I'm not going to worry about it because I'm not going to do anything malicious or creepy or, you know, it's all going to be kind of quick research. But there are people who are doing creepy, malicious, scary kind of things. And so yes. I, I think when you and I spoke in August, I wasn't worried about it. But lately I've been hearing about scammers who are pretending to have jobs. And there's a lot more um, reason to be a little cautious, isn't there? Can you kind of tell us about the kind of scamming trends that I've been hearing about? Yeah, the big one that I get concerned about as far as scams are the people who pretend and put in their profile that they work for a certain company and that they'll put out into the world that there's a job lead. And, you know, the culture in LinkedIn is like that. That's what people love about LinkedIn. Well, there are people who portrayed being part of a real company that they really weren't. And they're able to link to a, a place where the same company, but a fake site or a site that's going to, you know, fill your browser with malware and possibly you'll download it. People get desperate at this, this particular time when there's a, you know, there's a lot of competition for jobs. So they'll, you'll, you know, they'll apply online. They'll ask you to do some things, download this file and then upload it, blah, blah, blah. And usually it's malware or spyware, which will take your personal information from your computer because that's what we do now and upload it and then leave you with a, a way for them to always get that information should you change it. Um, so, that's, a, that's, a, that's the game right now is, is portraying that they're part of a real company when really you can actually go to the company page and make sure that person is seen as an employee that's one way in making sure that there's a legit one more than likely that they have a lot of employees and you could tell the good ones from the bad ones because they're real specific uh the pictures are different it's just a different feel and you can see that that if that person's not there then you should be a little suspicious so i'm suspicious of any thing that comes into me where they want me to click on something, even if it's a friend's mm -hmm. address, if there's no message, it, so I know it's a friend, if it's just uh, read this, I, I'm not going to click on anything um, that's coming to me. What I'll do, if it seems interesting, is I will try to find that address or that person and go to their space. And if if they mm -hmm. really are back to me, then I, I feel like this is legit. Is that um, that's part that, of how that's you a good, yourself. yeah. And I think really a lot of the headlines are, are giveaways when they're vague and they have a position that doesn't make sense, or they have a photo that is not really a photo of them, or that there's duplicate photos. Sometimes you can see 
if you check your follower list that sometimes it'll appear and could appear a lot of different ways. But I've had some strange things happen and people try to lure me, but some I've been doing this too long now, so I can kind of feel a sense of who might be a fake and who isn't. I can look at their headline, misspelled words. Uh, the company wouldn't present themselves in this way, and this person wrote it that way. There's just a lot of ways you could do it, but you should also you can also you know test it by the test of time. Not respond to it for a long time. See if they follow back. See if it's there. See if they change their headline over time, and you would know. But I think yeah, you got to any connection. I think you should have some level of discernment that you know, it would be pretty important to be able to know that before you start to have a conversation with the person. Well, I think it is a powerful platform and it's an amazing source of information and networking and connecting with your old friends and all of those things. But Mm -hmm. um, we are wise to be cautious, but that's just one of the tools that people have been using um, uh, throughout the last year or so. I, there are a lot of tools. Some of them are old. Some of them are new. But what have you? What else have you been noticing about how people are searching for and pursuing jobs uh, over this this year of pandemic year plus? Yeah, I think people are starting to understand networking is a big part of it. The LinkedIn courses is really big. In fact, LinkedIn had reported more than nearly 300% have went up from last summer of their uses of courses. So people are getting the idea that they have to do some type of professional development if they want to change careers. There's the uh, other tool um, that I love LinkedIn for, and I think everybody should be using whether you're in a job search or you're holding steady, is informational interviews. Uh, Using LinkedIn for that way to get to your second and even third uh, uh, tier connections and beyond that, you should be able to uh, just keep your career informed and keep your job search hot or at least uh, somewhat warm. You learn so much from informational interviews. It's your real life encyclopedia, that uh, kind of information that you're getting, and you're getting it in real time as to how it's happening with that person. And really, if you're having a great discussion, you should be able to get the kind of candor that makes you feel good about the person, but also makes you feel good or bad about the opportunity you're pursuing because it's okay to change your mind. But it's also important that you get out of it what you need to get out of so uh, I think a lot of people tend to look for more tools when they don't get satisfaction when the tools before them are important for them to dig deep so I think that's one big one we'll be back with Bev after this brief message Are you ready to make a difference in the world? The Voinovich School of Leadership and Public Affairs at Ohio University can give you the skills to do just that. The school offers a multidisciplinary approach where public policy, environmental studies, and entrepreneurship come together to educate tomorrow's leaders. 
Learn more about the Masters in Public Administration or Environmental Studies by visiting ohio.edu backslash Voinovich School. I know that you've uh, been focused a bit on upskilling, and I'm obsessed by how the only career security is really to keep learning. I think there's a much greater awareness and maybe a need than there used to be that if you're not growing in your job, if you're not keeping up to date, if you're not learning new things, then you're jeopardizing your future security because you can't just keep doing the same thing forever anymore, right? You just have to keep growing. Right. And that's the way you stay in control of your career. Most people don't have controls of their career and they're not willing to control it because it takes more time at the time that they really need it. Instead of planning ahead, knowing that they're, you know, you know, you're going to eat and you know, you're going to need to eat and you want to do so for a couple of weeks at a time for most people. So, you're going to shop and make sure that you have the food ready so that you can go and eat when you're ready. And this is the same thing with job search. You want to eat when you're ready, so to speak, when it comes to finding that next opportunity. And sometimes if you're doing it the right way, the opportunity will come to you only for the virtue that you put yourself in position to get the information and get the people lined up in your network to where you they are feeding you information and of course that you're also giving back as well and that's what keeps the cycle happening when you stop giving and you stop caring and you stop taking control of your career that's when your career starts or there'll be other things and other people that will start to make that decision for you and that's the worst feeling that you could possibly have and i don't know how many people have done this but they they lose their job suddenly, and maybe it wasn't in the tea leaves that you were reading, but it happened to you. But now you have to find something or anything just to keep the bills paid, and uh, then you think that you're going to find the next job. And for most people, that's a couple of years process, and that's you don't have to do that in today's job search where if it was a lifestyle, as I've talked about before with you, if it's a lifestyle then you're always ready and you're always prepared and you just need you just need to you already got a running start you just will need to jump and start uh, cultivating the soil so to speak to uh, make it grow so the lifestyle includes staying connected with people staying connected with trends in your field um learning every chance you get about what's happening around you, including in fields that are not directly related to what you're doing, and um, upskilling, which is a very hot term. We've used it on jazz about work before. And um, Mm -hmm. I'm not sure everybody knows what upskilling is because it seems to be used in different ways. When you talk about upskilling, what are you suggesting? I'm suggesting that there are, uh, taking the, what they know and either transform it or they're going to use it to learn something new. So upskilling, reskilling, whatever that term is going to be, that that there's a progression that's going to be involved. 
So for most people, upskilling is going to mean that you want to, uh, quote unquote, level up. It's the way that a lot of us would feel about it and think about it. And I know you've written somewhere and something I've read of yours, um, something that I, again, totally agree with you on. And that is a way to um, kind of build your skills and stretch, um, even if your day job doesn't require you to stretch. And that is to find ways to volunteer. Volunteering Mm -hmm. is, I think, under-respected sometimes as an important part of keeping your career moving. Yeah, volunteering was something back when I was writing resumes back in 2010, 2011. I don't think there was a a resume that I was writing where I didn't suggest that somebody didn't uh, didn't list their volunteer activity because very often that is where you would have you can gain some of your transferable skills we can even shift volunteering to internships if we need to for for some that might be listening but just because you're in your, later in your life doesn't mean you can't intern uh, somewhere uh, with some company, even if it's under the guise of volunteering and those things are similar. But I think another thing that's underestimated is collaborations online. There is a great way to maybe align yourself with somebody that might have and have the idea career that you want. And they're always doing things, experimenting, trying things out and even maybe even just having conversations where you can collaborate with them and being associated with them and their information and you learning could be something that you could leverage in front of an employer, seeing that you're even connected to somebody that he or she might be following or that they respect or they wrote this book or this white paper, which, by the way, white papers still matter. Uh, and that is another great way for people to really get on the collaborative train, but also volunteer that you get your name attached to a white paper that goes deep. Then you'll be known as an expert in so that kind me, of way, in a practical me a, way. Give me um, a plan. Say I wanted to do a white paper on some aspect of uh, career. Say the importance of positivity in your career, something like that. Okay, so um, what, what would I, I would find, how would I go about it? Well, I think there's several ways to go about it. One is you want a peer-reviewed uh, white paper, which means is that it's being reviewed by peers and people will give you feedback. That's the best situation. Now, in academia, there's one setting. But, of course, if there's industries, there's industries that do white papers and people will collaborate within that association and they all do the research together. They come back and bring the and then they compile a white paper and then distribute it industry wide, either through an email blast or as a, as a website or maybe sometimes if you're lucky, maybe press could even pick it up. But. Uh, these days, though people don't widely talk about white papers, having a peer review white paper means that you got feedback that people have informed you, and that's a way to get credibility as well. So all of those things could wrap if you package it right. Uh, you know, for going what your resume may s- seem like or your cover letter may seem like is that if you get it in front of the right people, they'll want to talk to you. And then from there, you can maybe even get on a podcast 
or you can get on a video interview. I mean, there's the possibilities are endless, but ultimately people are always researching and looking for ways. I've been cited in different white papers only because I had a blog and it had information on it. And that was all I needed. And I, you know, when I Google myself, sometimes I found, you know, there were a couple of papers that are out there with my website and me as the resource. One of the ways I've seen some of that kind of activity happening is in the context of diversity and inclusion, where people Mm -hmm. are trying to exchange ideas with a a varied group. And sometimes it ends up as sort of a virtual conference. Sometimes it's a a group of people form an ad hoc committee, sort of, and they they Mm -hmm. issue it and maybe they post it somewhere with all their names. It doesn't have to be terribly formal, like an academic peer review, as you said. Correct. It, and it shows not only that you know the stuff, but that you can work with other people and you can be creative. So coming up with new ways to be collaborative and address issues, that's a really interesting idea, Mark, I think. Yeah, I think that it's an old idea, but it's delivered differently now. And that's the difference. We could take some of those old ways that we published back in the day and make it new way to be delivered. So you could take that same white paper and make your own presentation out of a PowerPoint, put it on SlideShare, and just to see what happens. We're not even talking about a website. SlideShare is a part of LinkedIn's features or the part of their tools, which is another tool that's often very much underutilized. But with the right network and right people and the right interests, a lot of people can see it. But it's not a matter of a lot of people seeing it. It's the right people seeing it. And you want to put it where someone who's recruiting or someone who's an employer or a hiring manager or somebody who might even be able to refer you, put it in front of their eyes to be get an impression that, yeah, I'm not only in this white paper, but I'm linked with all these experts as a part of it. And implicit in what we're talking about with white papers and these kind of posts, and and that is part of how we present ourselves in a virtual world, uh, much more so than if we were you know, hanging out in a coffee shop or around um, a, a conference room, is in writing. And so all of a sudden, writing becomes... Um, important in new ways. And in terms of upskilling, if, if, if somebody's looking for a way to get some more juice out of their career tract and they're not sure what to work on, working on your writing, if, if you feel like you're a good writer, then getting stuff published or posted. If you feel like you're not a good writer, there are all kinds of classes and um, helpful apps and things that can help you polish your writing. So writing has become a career skill that matters in places where it, it might not have so much in the past. Is, have you seen that? I've experienced it personally. I've experienced that writing has been the great equalizer. My blog isn't getting a million uh, views. It's not even giving what uh, one of your guests, I think uh, Hannah Morgan was a guest of yours and Mark mm-hmm. Miller was a guest. Yeah, uh, Both of those, they have lots and lots of folks come to their sites. I don't have one of those sites. But having said that, uh, because I wrote something, again, there was something that, you know, someone had mentioned 
on a show I was just on, uh, something I wrote seven years, eight years ago, eight years ago that uh, that I wrote. I forgot that I wrote it. <laughs> and that's how long ago it was. And I've written a lot. I've written hundreds. But all that to say for somebody to say that this is a resource for me and you wrote this eight years ago, that's astonishing to me. And I find it interesting that people still are willing to go back that far and find it relevant for them now. And if you look at some of the people who are leaders in the field of career and job search and things like that, you mentioned Hannah Morgan. Well, just today she uh, commented on something on my LinkedIn um, uh, activity on a post. And I, gosh, I felt like I'd won an award because she's such a thought mm-hmm. leader to have her mm-hmm. notice. So if you're putting yourself out there and you're even if you're writing a two-paragraph Post, if you work at it a little bit to make it helpful to somebody and actually have some useful content, and then somebody who's a leader in the field likes it and shares it, that's a way to sort of spread your reach and uh, and polish your brand without an awful lot of work. But it all starts with kind of careful writing. Well, yes, and even a written comment on somebody else's post can mean a lot to someone else who finds value and thinks that you need to bring that value to them or to someone else or to an audience. Three sentences, two sentences, a well-written sentence uh, could mean a whole lot to someone and bring value, but it takes work to get there. (laughs) And sometimes it, it, it's a, you know, it, it, it's leverage really, uh, as I think of it, because, you know, video, you can overhear um, something perhaps, and it might catch someone's ear. But when somebody's skimming through, it's a little bit different. And it's a little bit, it, it, it hits a little bit different because they'll read it again if it hits them. And they'll read it again, they'll read it again. It's not like pressing uh, rewind and then play at all is something that's right there in front of them and that has marginal impact for their lives or for someone's life. Well, we're running out of time. I, I think um, mm-hmm. a good uh, couple of good tips you've left us with, which is to you know try the more of the resources in LinkedIn. And another one is look for ways to write something as a way to engage. If, if we've got listeners out there who are just sort of feeling exhausted by their career or their job search or whatever, do you have any other parting suggestions of how they might generate some little more energy to get through today, tomorrow? I think people can rest okay and learn to rest easy. It's hard when you have a lot of anxiety about your job search. It can intertwine with your sleeping habits and with your lifestyle as you know it. But I think people should also implement carefully in small trunk, uh, small chunks, so that if something isn't working, they know better than if they try to do something wholly. Which, for a lot of people, if they try, you know, a bunch of things and they don't try it enough times, um, they'll probably won't get the result as if they try one or two things and then try them deeply try them a little bit at a time it's sort of like the guy that has a whole bunch of equipment around his gym but is nowhere in shape 
after buying all that equipment. But yet, if he did two or three things and learned to do five or six things on one piece of equipment and do it well, then he'll be a whole lot better shape than, you know, somebody who just has a whole bunch of things laying around that they're not willing to try or haven't tried. So build your skills a, a little bit at a time. Take a break when you're frustrated and exhausted, but keep going back to it and keep doing small steps as you sort of expand your skill set and your reach. Yes. Okay. Well, thank you so much. I um, always learn from you. I always enjoy visiting with you, Mark. And uh, I'll just keep uh, watching you. Again, Mark (laughs) Anthony Dyson, uh, the voice of Job Seekers. Is there any other... Uh, find a place uh, you want to mention so people can find you? Yeah, people can, uh, you know, find me on LinkedIn under Mark Anthony Dyson. D-Y-S-O-N. Okay. Well, have a great day. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Today we've been talking with Mark Anthony Dyson about some of the latest trends impacting job seekers and job... Oh, gosh, I can't talk. Start over that. Today we've been talking with Mark Anthony Dyson about some of the latest trends impacting job seekers and career builders. I'm your host, Bev Jones, author of Think Like an Entrepreneur, Act Like a CEO. Today's tip is that a good way to develop a new skill is to volunteer to take on a project that will cause you to stretch in new directions. Thanks for listening today. If you like our show, I'd love it if you would give us a five-star rating.